No, serious, Ross. Get your serious face on. All right, now we'll just go with the rolling start, and we're rolling, 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 and welcome to the Pagey Train. Today, having the uh, chair with me, Benny Hewlett, the Red Dirt Pirate. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks very much, buddy. Uh, man, uh, we've been uh, friends for, obviously, a decade, um, so this is a bit uh, nostalgic for me, man. It's really good to have you on the show. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I think um, you were certainly um, a, a charismatic sort of dude. <laughs> to put it short okay um actually can you just bring that mic a little bit closer to you there there we go that? that's better um but uh yeah i think um just to talk about recent events um in the last couple of years 2018 we did an event together uh you give me a call i think it was 2017 maybe 2016 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, because you were thinking about putting a festival together uh, yeah. The Running on Empty Festival. Uh, just tell us a little bit about the Running on Empty Festival. Um, so we'll have to digress a little bit. So Running on Empty Festival is actually uh, originated from a car movie. So mm -hmm. straight away we've probably turned half the audience off talking about, yeah, I'm a car head and we're going to talk about a car event. Um, so Running on Empty, Mad Max is probably the most prolific uh, sort of car movie that people can think of mm -hmm. when you talk about Australian cinema. Number two, if not number one in everyone's mind, is a really small little film called Running On Empty. Mm -hmm. And Running On Empty had some amazing, amazing names in it. You're talking uh, Terry Serio, Max Cullen, uh, a very young uh, uh, Julie, her name was in the film, uh, Deborah Conway mm -hmm. was the female lead in it. Yeah. Um, Richard Wah, from mm -hmm. who would people would remember as the dad from Around the Twist. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I do remember that. That was one of my favourite shows when I was a kid, yeah. That's one of the spin-outs, and that's one of the ones that brought a lot of people into the movie when we brought it locally was, oh, mm. he's, he's the dad from Home and Away, and everyone's mm. like, oh, my God, I love... Oh, sorry, Round the Twist. Mm. Oh, my God, I love Round the Twist. And that's what brought a lot of people on board with it. Um, what other actors If you come in, never felt like this. <laughs> strange things happen going round the twist. Um, Tasman Lewis was in that. I distinctly remember mm. having a crush on her. Yeah, yeah. Um, Me too, actually. She she did Broadway after that, actually. She did mm. um, Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Mum took me down to see it, which was great because I got mm. to stare at it for two hours straight. Um, and there was another actor in the movie, Jeff Rowe, who was in Puberty Blues. Oh, man, look, a big <laughs> shout-out to all of that cast, by the way, but um, hanging out with Jeff Rowe was an experience. Just an amazing human being. Someone I can put my hand on my heart now and say he's a really good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. But, um, like, unbelievable guy to talk to within the industry because he was very tied up with the Hoodoo Gurus for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, did a lot of backing vocals on a lot of their albums. So if you want to talk about Australian music in the 80s and 90s, like... He's got his finger on the pulse for all of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he talks about when he ran away to America to New Orleans for a couple of months and him and Michael Hutchins hung out for a little bit. Like, got some great yarns. Man, really he, cool he, he would have some stories that bloke, right? Yeah. So, we've got to digress a little bit. So, Running on Empty is this amazing little car film. Mm -hmm. um, unlike Mad Max, the cars Ooh. are the stars, very foremost, of the movie. Um, so there was a Dodge Challenger, there was a Phase 3, and there was a Black 57 Chev. Well, this is during the Ausploitation um, uh, period of Australia, and, and especially car movies. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? And it's got that real feel about it, because mm. back in the 80s when we were doing that Ausploitation, we really did sort of that hardcore underground and what the underground looks like and could look like. Mm -hmm. and very interesting um, cinematography from John Clark, another amazing, amazing guy. Mm. Um, if you need sales made and you've got a boat in Sydney, check out John Clark, he'll help you out. Mm -hmm. um, so there'd always been Mad Max festivals, there'd always been showings of Mad Max, um, there'd been reunions for people in Mad Max and stuff like that out at Silverton where the, mm -hmm. the most of the second movie was shot. 
but there'd been nothing done in Australia for this brilliant movie running on empty. Mm-hmm. And you could go to car shows or you could be sitting around with your mates who are all car heads and you could talk about running on empty and people would just quote lines from the movies. Um, so it was really embedded into the Australian car scene was the language from that movie. Totally. But no one had ever done anything about this. Mm. So why would I, as a kid that grew up on the farm who went and joined the army for 14 years, hung around some low lives, got out of the <laughs> army, got into mining, why would I want to run a festival like that? Mm. Um, for a while there, I was the president of the RSL sub-branch in Cobar for about six, seven years. And we're always looking at ways to raise money to build a World War One memorial in Cobar, which was very near and dear to my heart. Mm. So I thought, how are we going to do a really fun fundraiser? And in 2015, we did a lot of very um, 100th anniversary from like landing at Gallipoli and then um, like uh, uh, conflicts in France later on and we did a lot of ceremonies and stuff like that. We got the army band to come down and play, we did a lot of charity events and a really good mate of mine, Johnny De Bruin. Mm-hmm. Johnny- another big shout out to Johnny De Bruin, uh, another, another fabulous human being. So JDB um, always ran events in Cobar and we worked out at one stage in something like 10 years, he'd mm. run a he'd run enough fundraisers to raise $120,000 in a community of 5,000 people, mm. like for different events. Just huge heart, great organiser. Um, logistics and flair, that's what you want Johnny for. Mm. Um, and I said to Johnny when I first got to Cobar, I said, you know heaps of running on empty was actually shot in Cobar. Mm. He's like, oh, really? And I said, yeah, yeah. And we played it one night and I said, look, that's down at the old reservoir. This is down yeah, the main street. Yeah, putting down the, uh, the, the icons of the town. Yeah, yeah the landmarks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, I said, oh, man, it'd be mad to have a festival here. It'd be mad to have a car festival here. Mm. And Johnny's always super enthusiastic. So he's like, should do it. I'm like, yeah. And I um, kind of wonder always something really big that I know will be worthwhile. Mm. Oh, kids, busy, work, some bullshit excuse. Yeah. Then the next year, so say like 2016, mm-hmm. we're sitting around out by the pot belly one night have a few more beers and Johnny goes we should do that festival and I'm like yeah oh, it's just oh, I've got so much it is a lot of work oh no I'm it's a guinea pigs having cesarean twins oh, it's just whatever bullshit excuse mm. I come up with <laughs> 2017 comes up again starting to get a little bit more serious mm-hmm. so um, we're sitting around one night 2018 was the festival wasn't it yeah. yeah yeah so 2017 we're sitting around one night should do this festival mm. There's a lot of that involved. <laughs> we should do the festival. And Johnny's like, we should do the festival. Mm. Okay, we should do the festival. We're just egging each other on. We should do the festival. We yeah, should yeah. do the festival. And then I was on night shift at the gold mine one night. Like, let's do the festival. So what do you do? Just something dumb, like start a Facebook page, start a web page, and then just go, this is the date we're going to do it, which was... Yeah, deadlines are, a deadline's a big part of it, yeah. right? When, you, when you're setting out to do an endeavour like that, a deadline is really helpful. 100%. You need a deadline. You've got something to strive for, you've yeah. got an end date, and that puts pressure on you. And I think that's what a lot of people miss in this day and age. Like, you talk about stress and anxiety, but pressure makes people perform, mm-hmm. and I think pressure is good. It's like you're in a band, mm-hmm. you're a lead singer in a band. Mm-hmm. The day you go out on stage and you're not nervous to perform... Do you think it'll ever give you that feedback that you get from No, way, always nervous. Right. You're always nervous and it's always, um, like, for instance, in a band you'd set, like, all right, let's do an EP. Then mm. you've got a deadline. Mm. Let's launch that EP. Mm. You've got another deadline. And there's your pressure. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, a, you've got an end date and you've got pressure <coughs> to perform, mm. so it puts pressure back on you. Yes. Yeah, yeah pressure's the uh, the fuel that um, fires the engine. 
yes, I can understand it gets to stress. Mm-hmm. Something might have happened in your personal life. Something mm-hmm. might have happened in your professional life. Then you feel like you can't balance, and that's where the stress comes in. So they were my excuses. Mm-hmm. 2017, I pulled the pin on all those stresses and went, fuck it, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of the night, started all those Facebook pages, invited everyone I knew. And I thought, you know what? If we get 500 people to this thing, it'd be killer. Mm. Even if we got 150 people to this thing, 150 people at a car show, everyone pays $10. It's non-for-profit. Mm. I'm not, you know, going to use it to go down and put it all on black at the casino. Mm. It's going to go towards a world mumble. Lucky it'd come up black because that would have been really, uh, really bad. Right, 100%. <laughs> so um, it was in the bio of why we're doing the event to have it as a mm. world war one memorial mm-hmm. for this town that didn't have one and they had a big commitment during the war during the first war so it started off quite small and quite meek and i just i'm a car guy and i know car people and mm. probably that worked in my favor i'd done a lot of things in my previous life when i was still in the military with street machine magazine yeah well that, that's you're talking about there the um the army drag car right mm. Yeah, 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 I've heard some interesting stories out here of the Army Drake car. So that's something we could definitely dive into. Do, we can dive was, into that a, a But that was bit. four years of my life. So yeah, yeah. during building a, a show car for the Army, I'd made these amazing contacts. And a lot of these contacts are now my very good personal friends that mm. work for Street Machine Magazine. Big shout out to the boys. Big shout out, guys. Um, Doing a good job. Scotty, Simon, all the boys there. Um, so, and I kind of use them to say... Do you reckon this would have any legs? Do you reckon this will get momentum? And then I talked to people that are involved with the movie, and then all of a sudden it started to get a little bit bigger. Like I had people from like East Coast car clubs Mm. that were messaging me and going, oh, how big is this thing? What's going to happen? And we just had some basic ideas. Like we're going to do... We're going to do a show and shine and we're going to drive out to Cambaligo, a little village mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist anymore outside Cobar. That was um, big scenes that had Max Cullen. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that show Max Cullen was in on TV that people remember him from? Anyway, that was where most of Max, all of Max's scenes were shot. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd go out there and then go back into town. Well, who's Max Cullen in the film? So Max Cullen in the film is an old blind guy who lives out in the bush. Mm. His name is Rebel. Um, he's got a beautiful wife, big blonde haired, big buxom woman, Jody, mm. and he drives a supercharged 1957 mm. two door Chev. Yeah, because in the film you can hear him driving through the night. Right. And uh, Terry's uh, character's like, what's that sound? They're having a little bit of a campfire yeah, on yeah. phase three, and then this mm. goes past, mm. and he's driving with no lights on. Because he's blind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I just need to get contacts on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so his character's all shot out of um, uh, it's forty-five kilometres out of Cobo, a little village called Cambaligo. Mm-hmm. All that's left there's a little gold mine. And um, we thought we'd go out there, do a bit of a talk, and show and shine out Cambaligo, and then go back into town, and then have a dinner, like a two-course dinner, and we interview the stars, like. Um, mm. Graham Norton does it very, very well. Gets mm. everyone on the couch, sort of interview, interviews people individually, then puts them together as a collective yeah, yeah. and gets them talking. So that's pretty much what we did. Um, and that was just the basic idea to start with. And then 10 people replied to it, then 20 people replied to it, then 50, and then 150, and then 200. And all of a sudden you've got a tiger by the tail. And like Johnny and I are texting and ringing each other at the time, like, what the fuck are we going to do here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how much have we bitten off here? Oh, way too much. <laughs> so all you can do is just chew like shit and just chew and chew and chew until you get through mm. it. Bite off more, you can chew and chew like shit. So Johnny and I um, recruited a few other people to help us out with logistics stuff. Mm-hmm. And Johnny with Cobar is brilliant with logistics. Mm-hmm. 
So the way it'd kind of work, I'd have a big stupid idea and Johnny would get people to rally behind that that would bring specialties. This is the club we can have this venue because Johnny's got a very good relationship with them. We can do security through this guy because Johnny's got a great relationship with them. Mm -hmm. We'll get these people to cook dinner because Johnny's got a great relationship with them. So all these great big ideas we had, Johnny could just glue it all together and that's part of his magic. Um, so all of a sudden we're sitting down and then I found the agency that handled Terry Serial Max Cullen. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Mm. Going to talk to some big names here. Mm. You know, these guys are, you know, Max Cullen had probably not long done Wolverine and a couple other big sort of Hollywood yeah. movies that were shot in Australia. So Max is doing quite well for himself. Anyway, I find this number and it's, it, it's for an agency and I ring it up and this lovely, lovely lady answers the phone. Mm. And I introduce myself and it was Mrs. Cullen. And Mrs. Cullen said, oh, Ben, I've heard about this festival you're running out in Cobar. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You what? Yeah, wow. Okay, you've heard about it. Right, well, this is why we're doing it. And she said, Max would absolutely love to be involved with that. Mm. Here's Max's mobile number. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a ring now, I know he's free. So I ring Max on his mobile, and straight away, because it's a number he doesn't know. Who's this, who's this, what's going on? And I said, oh, Mr. Cullen, my name's Ben Hewlett. I explained everything and he goes, yep. He goes, I've heard about this, love to be involved. Send us one of those email things. And he goes, and I'll read it and I'll get Send me an electronic out. letter and we can then uh, proceed. Yep. <laughs> so I had a bit of a rush um, out of that. I spoke to my brother about it and that was a really good feeling. And then uh, I contacted Terry Serio. Mm -hmm. uh, another, another, another dead set amazing legend. Amazing talent. Big shout out, Terry. Sings, plays guitar. Um, he played uh, John Howard in the musical Keating. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terry's done some amazing stuff. He was in one of... Um, yeah, I've run into him on the music scene uh, when I was doing um, interviews with bands and uh, uh, filming live gigs. He's done some amazing yeah, yeah. shows. And his guitarist, Charlie's um, from The Cruel Sea, Tex Perkins and The Cruel Sea, mm. that's Charlie that he plays with. Um so Terry does a lot of stage, TV. He was in one of the underbellies, the Australian underbellies. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so this was a little bit daunting. Anyway, I actually got a hold of him through Facebook. Yeah. Okay, sent him a message on Facebook. I'll wait a day or two, see what happens here. Mm -hmm. 11 o'clock at night, typical talent. 11 o'clock at night, get a message from Terry. Mm -hmm. Hey, mate, um, give us a ring sometime. Everything you're talking about sounds amazing. Mm. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, I do remember. I, well, I, I do remember giving you a bit of encouragement because you rung me up and you go, Roscoe, festivals, what's the go? I'm like, well, you got to do this, this, and this. You got to find your sponsorship here, and you're like, yeah, but what about the talent? I'm like, you just got to find their number and ring them, bro. You're like, ring them? Like, yeah, just ring them. You just got to try. Which was good advice. You just got to try, man. Yeah, all I can do is say no. That's the worst thing that can happen. Um, some of the other guys, I can't remember how I even tracked them down. Yeah, but once you start getting that web going, because they they would have their social oh, network, tiny. and they they have their social network, and they'd be talking about it um, in their own personal space. And this and was the thing that blew me out, Ross. Like the people in that circle mm. were talking about that festival, mm. which just blew my hair back. Totally blew my hair back. Yeah, but the thing is, you got to you got to understand for for these guys, this film is what garnered them into where they are now. Oh, 100%. Because they were, they were young pups when they did this film. Well, most of them were. See, Max had done his Castrol ads and he'd done a few other bits and pieces, so people really knew him as um, 
JDX off the JDX yeah, 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 JDX that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and there was another show on TV he did it was like a kids show oh it's gonna hurt get in it anyway it doesn't matter but you're dead right because they were all very 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 young yeah and, very, and, and very young. it would be an absolute pleasure to revisit that right like because then then to go back to where you shot those shots and to go back and to see how um it's a you know but what that, the town is and like that was since. a total byproduct mm. like i didn't ever think about any of that when i was trying to organize how can i make money here's a car film i like very selfishly mm. let's do a festival get some cool cars in well the i don't think town. it's entirely i don't think it's entirely selfish like your motivation was to get the memorial done and then you're like how can i get people to the town to um uh, inject some money into the town so we get this memorial i don't think that's very selfish well Maybe I was just sticking to what I knew. Mm. I felt like it was a bit self-indulgent, mm. absolutely. But the like you were leading into, the byproduct of that, mm. some of these actors hadn't seen each other in 30 years. Mm. And all of a sudden, oh, 28 years, 27 years. Mm. And all of a sudden, they got back together and they're starting their dialogue again. And, oh, you're in that play, you're in that movie. Do you remember catching up with that guy? Yeah, it's a big buzz, outs- isn't it? outside standing in, you're like, oh. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Sont. Yeah, yeah. And he's another cool dude. Another life. really cool dude. Big he, shout he out. He and his wife are big into theatre and very, very, very well established thespians. Mm. Done very, very well. So all of a sudden, I've got 2,000 people saying they're coming to a town of a population of 5,000 people. Mm. So I've nearly doubled the population by 50%. Sorry, I've nearly increased the population by 50%. Mm. Plus, I've got all these actors, original actors, keen as shit to come. Ah. Mm. Oh. Let's see if I can get some really cool cars to come along. Yeah. Well, that's it. it, it, it without the cars, so you need the cars, right? Do so you, the big one in it was the black 57 Chev, mm. the Dodge Challenger. So they were pretty much the arch nemesis. And there was mm. a phase three at the start of it. Everyone I've spoken to that come to the festival said the reason they own a 57 Chev... is because of that film. Because of that movie. Yeah, but that film, it, it's an it, it, like it's not just a small film. Like, it's an iconic film. Oh. Like, it, like, it may be the little brother to Mad Max because Mad Max had a, a bigger international stage and, it, and it's, a, it's turned into a franchise. Mm-hmm. But Running on Empty was a film that, um, you know, touched into that Ford Holden, um, oh. you know... Uh, you know, zeitgeist of where yep. Australians were at in, in cars. And it also um, tied into that Ozploitation. Like, we shot cars, I mean, like, filmed cars mm. like nobody else. Mm. Like, we did. We had our own unique style. Mm. And that unique style can be seen in this film. Absolutely. Mm. 100%. 100%. So? So, um, I knew Street Machine magazine had done an article 12 months before with a lady named Jenny down in Shepparton, Victoria. Mm. And she'd built... A blown black 57 two-door as a tribute to the car mm. in the movie so i got talking to her jenny is now one of my best friends in the whole world and i love that woman mm. to death and if you're lo- listening jenny love you thank you very much big for shout out to jenny for me. um so jenny was easy to get involved that mm. wasn't a drama at all because as soon as i said running on empty and i got max and terry coming bang she was there now the dodge challenger very unique car mm. Found out it was living in Perth. Yeah. See, I've got a story about this. Like, I'll leave, I've got a story about this. <laughs> so, this car's living in Perth. Mm. There's three owners. Mm-hmm. They're all deaf. Mm. Huge car guys, all deaf. And I mean profoundly deaf. Jason um, probably communicates the best without uh, hand gestures. Mm-hmm. He's a very good lip reader. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I have to trim my moustache a little bit when I talk to Jace. But he's really good. You can talk to him on Facebook Messenger, and he's great. Mm-hmm. Um, world-class upholsterer. Actually, I think that's the name of his upholstery, world-class trimming. Mm-hmm. 
and Jason was kind of like uh, the leader for the three guys that owned the car. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, got this festival, we're going to have all the guys there. Can you, the get, the car, can the you get the car across the can continent? Get the car. That's a big ask, man. Anyone Huge driven, ask, man. Anyone who's driven from Perth to anywhere east of Adelaide knows that's a friggin' big drive. Getting into Adelaide's a job. <laughs> so what can I do? Well, I'd got enough sponsors and done enough fundraising that I could offer them. Yeah, you did get a bucket load of sponsors. Mm, we got a heap on board and some really quite good sponsors. So he said, I don't know who gave you a little bit of advice to how to uh, <laughs> uh, wrangle uh, sponsors, but, you know, whoever that dude is is a cool dude. <laughs> If he does say so himself. If he does say so himself. Um, no, but just to, just to sideline for a second, there, like, is a, there's a bit of um, uh, six degrees of separation there because um, uh, Clinton, who also owns that car. Clinton Barnes, yep. yeah. Yeah, uh, went to school with Misty. Oh, really? Yeah, they were in the same year in high school. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. That's, it's a small yeah, world. Yeah. Because we, cause, um, you, you invited me um, to come and shoot the, uh, to, you know, to capture the moment to do a um, videography for the, uh, for the festival. Yeah. And uh, I just found it was one of the most insane festivals that I've ever been to. In the, not just in the sense that it was really awesome, the, the show and shine and all these people in town and everyone's having a good time. And you know, just aside from that, I ran into so many people I know. Even just people that we served with in the military were there, yeah, that we yeah, served yeah. with, you know, yeah, that yeah. they were there. And then um, Misty was on the, you know, because Misty was producing uh, the documentary. Um, and she starts talking to Clinton, like, oh, she's like, oh, this is Clinton. And I'm like, oh, he, doesn't he own like Fox Dodge, One? Yeah, yeah Fox yeah. One, right. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then it was just totally spun out, man. It was totally spun out. We were all spun out. And I even had um, my sound guy was from one hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so Dave. 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 Yeah, big shout out, Dave. Yeah, Dave was one hour same time we were. Yeah, yeah. Um, so amazing bunch of guys to be involved with. And I'd... I'd I'd make another festival and drop a hat just to have those guys involved in mm. So he said, look, we'll give you um, fuel and accommodation money to come over and back. Mm -hmm. um, like, whatever else we can help you out with, we will. Um, had some secure parking and accommodation, so we got them sorted. So, and every time something like this would happen, we release it on social media. Hey, mm -hmm. guess what? We got this car coming. Hey, guess what? We got this car coming. As soon as we started mentioning, hey, you remember the original Fox One, the Dodge Challenger, the six-pack Dodge Challenger from mm. the movie? That's coming. Went off its head. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Max Cullen, who was in the movie, is coming. Off its head. Yeah. Terry Serio's coming. Jeff Rowe's coming. He played a character called Rama. Rama's coming. And everyone just it just went off its head. Ross. Yeah, they even had the, the, um, the... I don't know if they had the original Rama there. Did they no, they had a tribute. A guy named Alan um, from um, That's right. Gippsland in Victoria. Lovely bloke. I ended up interviewing the guy that owns the original Rama. I've still got the footage. I haven't cut it yet. Val. Yeah, Val. Beautiful Val, Val's human. from Penrith. Be beautiful human. Yeah, another really cool dude. I should really cut that together. Val's got Rama, mm. and Val's actually got the original 57. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I went to his, I went, I've been to his um, uh, workshop. He's a huge fan, and he's... I know it's probably going to sound a little bit corny, but he's a big custodian. Yeah. For the stuff that made that movie. I think really the custodian is the right word for that. Um, to, to more six degrees of separation, the guy that put me on to do that interview with Val yeah. was my old neighbour because he watched the documentary. He goes, oh, Running on Empty? I know the guy that owns the cars from Running on Empty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, didn't, get, I didn't get that connection to do that interview through... At the festival? At the festival. No, no. Got it after. Got it after. Because Val come up for the festival, and it was very important to me that Val come up. Yeah. And he and his beautiful partner come up, and they had a great time. And they, oh, a big they, shout out to Val if you're watching, man. Yeah, you're a really yeah, beautiful man. You are a beautiful human, Val. Yeah. Um, and it was great that we could give him 
something like that to say here's a great weekend full of all these cars and people that you know really well um so all of a sudden we've got to deal with a festival that's looking at two and a half thousand people mm. how are we going to feed them all we're we going to have enough fuel we've got enough accommodation in town what are we going to do for extra accommodation tent city on the footy ground mm. cobar roosters thanks boys and girls feeding people uh bedding people um uh, I need a film crew. I need a documentary crew. Yeah, yeah man, like, it was a great job. Yeah, had to go for the Refidex a couple of times for that one. Yeah, oh, oh mate, um, uh, you're the only client that's ever paid in advance because I'm like, I need. <laughs> like, I, I, I shit you not, man. Like, um, it, it's an important story. Like, um, because you know when you when you live in hand to mouth, sometimes, especially as a you know a videographer and if you're freelancing, um, I was going to the wall at that point. I needed a client, and uh, you rock up and you go, yeah, man, I'll you know I need you to come up and shoot this thing. I'm like. Yeah, great. Because I offered to do it uh, pro bono. Oh, eons ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I offered to do it pro bono for you. Because I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a bit flushed at the moment. I'll come up. A few things went a bit sour. I'm like, I'm not so flushed anymore, man. I don't know if I come up. I'm like, no, I'll pay you, man. We've we totally worked this out. Uh, money in the account the next day. I'm like, right, we're doing a documentary. Like, <laughs> took everyone up to Cobar. Um, you put us up in a hotel, and uh, we just got absolutely fantastic treatment up there. It was an absolutely brilliant job. You got some really cool little local MCs to work with in yes. uh, Nemo and Casey. Yeah, Nemo and Casey. Big shout out to Nemo and Casey. But um, uh, when you when you rocked up to the festival, so uh, we're all over the place. Anyway, but doesn't matter. When we when we were coming up to the festival, like it's all this, and I'd planned it. I worked seven on seven off at the mine at that stage at mm. the lead zinc silver mine. So I'd planned it on my days off. Mm. Selfish. And I'd also planned it on the same weekend as the festival, the Miners Ghost in Cobar. Mm. And it wasn't to overrun that festival. It was to try and enhance that festival. Like here's a running on empty festival. We're not going to do it every year for sure. But what we want to do is enhance one of Cobar's other festivals that exist. Yeah, you can draw so some maybe, attention to yeah, it. Yeah, draw some attention to it. And then next year in late October, some grey nomads or some people that like cars or people like travelling mm-hmm. go, remember when we went out at Cobar late October? That was a fun little time. Mm. And we get an extra 50, 100 people back. That's a big injection of cash into a mm. town of 5,000 people that lives and dies off mining. Yeah. Big time. Oh, look, man, when I was walking through town, because, you know, you've got to go from A to B um, to uh, with the crew to do shooting and whatnot, and, uh, you know, you walk past a hairdresser, someone's getting a haircut. You walk past a restaurant, someone's getting a meal. And, like, it was just really good to see, like, the, the town had so much vibrance oh, in it. it was a buzz, man. It was electric. And everyone I talked to was like, man, this is fantastic. We haven't had so many people in this town for such a long time. And all the car guys that come from inside out. So on the th- Thursday. So we haven't got anything official until the Saturday. Mm. So the Thursday people started rolling in. All these mad cars are rolling in. And Russell Sober... Russ, you're the man. Yeah, oh, Russ, man, I, I, need, I need to answer you more online, bro. I follow you a lot. I do follow you a lot. I love your fucking car, by the way. Jesus. Beautiful HQ. Beautiful that HQ. That was his grandmother's HQ. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that was his grandmother's. Man, big shout out, mate. Oh, man, what a beautiful car. What a, what a cool dude. So he'd driven a show car that had been in Street Machine magazine from Rockhampton, Mackay. Mackay mm. all the way down to Cobar for the festival and back again. And he'd rocked up early. So what we did, we just set up deck, cha- deck chairs. Mm. And we just watch cars drive into Cobar. Yeah. And Sam McMinn, who I'd grown up with my whole life, mm-hmm. born on the same day as me a couple of years later. Yeah. Sam and I, my brother and Russell, we just sat there and watched everyone roll in. And all of a sudden we watched this, oh, you could say sleepy little town, let's watch this sleepy little town of Cobar. All of a sudden, like two and a half thousand people. So you had about. 1,500, 1,600 extra cars in town. Yeah, the town was full. Like, it was busy. It was buzzing. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you looked up the front of the Great Western Hotel 
and in five cars, you had a million and a half dollars worth of cars sitting there mm. that had driven to be a part of that. And all the old boys I spoke to, Summonats Car Festival in Canberra, probably the premier car show in Australia, mm. they'd get 100,000 people through the gates. Mm. Everyone that was early days Summonats, like late 80s, come up to me and Johnny and said, this feels like early Summonats. Mm. Like, the police have got a great presence. No one's doing anything stupid. Everyone's cruising cars. You were a bit cheeky to the cops, though. Oh, they, they're good people. They're good. Those they are good people. are great people. But it was kind of like at one stage in the evening, it kind of felt like our version of American graffiti. Yeah. Hanging out, yes. the, front, hanging out the front of the that, pub. That's really pizza, accurate, yeah. A couple of beers, someone to drive past. You want a lift? Yeah. yeah, man. And you go for a drive in a... 2,000 horsepower blown alcohol 57 Chevy mm. drop a cheeky little skid up the front of the shops yeah. and the cops didn't do anything because you're pretty much just being a bit of a rogue but you're being sensible yeah well I think uh, when they started out they're like no burnouts no no this none of that and you're like alright alright he's got three stripes everyone listen yep and then it's sort of like, you know, it's like the uh, philosophy when you're like, want to um, turn your stereo up loud and annoy your neighbour. Don't turn it up all the way straight away. Just slowly, incrementally turn it up. And I think that was a bit and of part of the cast. that's what the crowd cars. did. I think that's what they did, yeah. And I think the police found their limit and the crowd understood that. Yeah. What, what, the only time I saw police pull anyone on over mm. was a pee player being a moron. Mm. Sorry, the general demographic of drivers is not very good. Well, it is a known fact. Let's just, like, we, we've been pee platers. Shit. <laughs> um, someone did a dangerous sort of overtaking manoeuvre mm. down the main street around someone else. Mm. The cop pulled him up about it. That was it. That was about it. No, I must say, though, I was devo because I only got um, a little bit of um, footage of Fox 1. And if I had a second camera crew, I would have had them in the workshop working on Fox 1. I just missing that footage was just so painful. So on the Friday night, Thursday night was everyone sort of bumping in. Friday was just hang out downtown and watch cars mm. cruise friday night was just the same thing but just watching people cruise up and down and we decided to show the movie out at the coba camels rugby union club that's right yeah, yeah. had the blow up screen people just flopped in watched the movie yeah they just rocked up in their cars and watched the movie it was really cool bit of a barbecue going bit of music killed the music um brought the actors in mm. after no brought the actors in before the movie mm -hmm. so hey everyone here's the actors and everyone was gobsmacked that the actors were actually there like people were like oh. yeah they did have that uh, 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 just couldn't they did have that the they couldn't, they like, couldn't believe is, that you pulled this together this is Terry Serio this is Richard Moir this is um, and they're back in town Jeff Rowe like these are the uh, Jerry Sont now, after how many years most though most attractive man we had there all weekend Mr. Jerry Sont beautiful human yeah, he's beautiful. a really cool dude he was actually really cool to interview um, actually all of them were uh, cool to interview um, especially um, uh, Jeff Rowe he was absolutely <laughs> hilarious the human snake charmer uh, 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 well Terry's very serious about his business he's an artist he's very serious Flamboyant, nonetheless. But oh, engaging. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Knows on on it, right? Yeah. But Jeff Rowe is fucking hilarious. Jeff Rowe is kind of like <laughs> he's a loose cannon. Um, Such a fun interview. He's just that ocker that mm. escaped out of the film industry, but will take you. Let's go for a journey into the film industry. Yeah, and he'll just suck you down into it. Yeah, and he's very articulate. And he's very good at painting a picture. Oh, like, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's uh, but 
Look, I've got to say, like, out of um, because I've, I've filmed a lot of cars before. Like, I've done a lot of race car uh, sort of tracks, go and interview the race car drivers, and uh, we affectionately call it car porn when you because you when you, you interview someone, right, mm. and then you um, film their car mm. and you want to get the nice angles of the car, big flashy images, big yeah, yeah, door. nice lines, yeah. nice framing, yeah. um, something you know, especially shiny, get stuff that's shiny, show the um, show the engine off. Show the nice lines of the car. The best car porn, and I mean that affectionately, mm. uh, the best car porn I've ever shot was the Running on Empty Festival. Mm. It was absolute mint. It was off its head for Man, what there. Ab- I've got goosebumps thinking about it. Absolute pleasure to shoot. It like, was a beautiful shoot. The amount of original Phase 3s that went out there, the amount of original GTs, the mm. amount of 55, 56, 57 Chevs, like the quality of cars. Mm. And the great thing about it, and I didn't even really think about, oh, I don't think about much, but <laughs> one of the things I didn't think about with the festival was because we're out in the middle of nowhere, like if you're going to drive out to see us, we're uh, six, seven, eight, so say eight, nine hours from Sydney. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah we're a long way out, right? We're about eight, nine hours from Melbourne. Mm. So anyone's got to come to see us, that's a road trip. I inadvertently didn't think about that. So what's happened is all these car clubs and people have got together and road trip. Yeah, but of course they would, and right? And people like on social media just buzzed as soon as people left their homes. Mm. They just started updating social media, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. What? This is what's happening. Well, that's why those hashtags are really good, man. Because those hashtags link it all together, right? Pull it all together seamlessly. Man, that's one you... good thing Instagram really does. Man. Yeah, because the audience reach was pretty uh, pretty large. It was in the tens of thousands. Oh, the traffic through your website, man. Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we totally spiked that month. Um, I think we hit like um, twelve thousand on one, six thousand on another. Uh, like the shittiest clip we had was like 4,000 which is like I know for some people out there like only 4,000 hits right but for an operation like us I'm telling you that's fucking fantastic um, but uh, man look um, yeah shooting that was an absolute pleasure and, and talking to the um, you know the actors the, the you know the cinematographers directors it was kind of good I remember having one moment with you and it's to put it in context he and I have known each other for 18 years so I think it's longer than that <laughs> no, no, it is. It's 18 years. 18 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. And basically used to live together when you had that unit down near the beach. Yeah, yeah. But... Another podcast for that one. The, uh, <laughs> series of them out next summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, you and I had a bit of a geek out moment because mm. your love of film, obviously, mm. early days is what drew me into a lot of... to re-watch a lot of movies. Mm. And you taught me a lot of things about film and that I didn't realise and I went back and watched a lot of movies after we'd become friends. Mm. And, you know, we're amazing friends in towns and we've stayed amazing friends. Yeah, yeah. But I remember that one moment when we rocked up to the motel and Terry and Jeff and mm-hmm. Jerry and everyone was there and we were talking to everyone and then we sort of looked at each other and we had that bit of a geek out moment like, <laughs> fuck fucking this Jerry. is fucking cool. <laughs> Fucking Jeff Roman. Good the house here for fucking, fucking <laughs> running on empty. A couple of guys that served in the battalion, and now we end up in fucking Cobra. <laughs> yeah. But here's the other. Here's another strange fact, though. That's not the first shoot I've done in Cobra, though. I did a shoot with you in Cobra when I was doing uh, short films. That was early days. That was yeah. 2012 or 13. Yeah, 2013. We come out and shot the red, which was red. a big shout out to Matt Lechin. Uh, that he was the producer, I was the director. Jimmy, uh, if you're watching, I uh, was the cinematographer. Uh, I do believe we put you in a chair and tortured you for a good six uh, hours. Put a cigarette out of my eye, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we got stranded then, in the desert. And then chased me down with a Land Cruiser. Yeah, yeah. Tried to run me over. Yeah, that got bogged. 
<laughs> anyway, other things we won't talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure you and Chinny have actually talked about that on a podcast. We have. We have actually uh, talked about that before. Uh, we don't need to go back into how uh, a thin of a budget we were on. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but look. Anorexic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anorexic <laughs> is exactly right. But look, you guys should totally check out Running on Empty uh, Festival. Like, yep. it's on... Uh, where, where can they find the Running oh, on Empty so Festival? YouTube, there's heaps of good stuff on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you look up Running on Empty Festival, uh, there's still a page with a bit of a discussion mm-hmm. on Facebook kicking around if you want to look at that. Um, yeah, but probably the, the stuff... <laughs> going to blow wind up your backside but probably the stuff that you've put out on youtube mm. and through um your channel th- through still searching yeah, yeah. is mint it's yeah mickey mouse address it really captures there's a big energy man yeah yeah like i didn't i didn't mean whoops like it all happened yeah, we're, sta- yeah. we're standing there on saturday like fucking whoops this is awesome didn't mean man it still tracks well it gets it gets hits every month it still it still gets hits and so people are talking about it because it's coming up um the people that grew up on that you know that sort of movie mm. uh, their kids have left home now and all of a sudden they're the ones with a disposable income and yeah you know, okay. got the nice car and we can spend money on it and we've got a trailer and a nice ute and we can go and do nice things like that so for them that was a lot of our traffic mm. a lot of our traffic was um younger baby boomers but probably the older gen x's yeah yeah was our was our demographic we had some young people out there and some really cool shit mm. But the, the younger baby boomers and the older Gen Xs were the main staple diet of that festival. Well, well I guess I ask, because I'm, I'm perhaps a little bit of uh, foreshadowing here, is there any opportunity for another running on empty well, festival? This is this is what's been discussed. Because people ask this all the time. time. They ask it all the time. So Even I get PM'd over this. Six months after the festival, there's guys standing in tie shops in Sydney going, oh, man, you should have come out to this festival in Cobalt. It was mint. Um, and uh, the reality of it is prior to the last couple of months mm. um we're definitely thinking about it definitely thinking about it for a sort of 2022 or 2023 would be the th- 40th mm. fuck we're old yeah 40th anniversary of the movie man well uh, look i reckon uh, look to uh, put a deadline on you i reckon that's a good deadline uh. to have i reckon that's a good deadline <laughs> to have uh look guys watch this space uh no no promises no qualms no foul but you know uh i reckon that you'll have a decent audience and that's something to be uh, involved in i think a lot of people would agree ben mm. absolutely well you need to give the people what they need all right and i think we. but do- it is a lot of work it that's, is a lot of work and i think that's one of the big things how we really got lucky with that festival mm. there's no one had done that before for running on empty mm heaps of other car shows in the world there was heaps of other car shows that weekend but because i think no one had done running on empty i think we're a bit eclectic mm-hmm. and i think that's how we we managed to get the people in there well it's hard to measure these things it oh, really it's, is it's hard to measure these things how did you know made in the west festival festival was going to go any good i had no idea well you just have to buckle your belt put on your big boy pants and fucking. Have i just go. i guess i guess um it wasn't about it doing well it was about just doing what we wanted to do right that's that's what it was about but that's all anything is yeah we just did what we wanted to do and it just turns out it was cool have you got good goals or good intentions yeah what's the balance for that yeah that's right i think you got something there's something in that there's something definitely in that well speaking of good goals and good intentions i remember um (laughs) speaking of uh, back in or the the, uh back in the never never of uh 2013 during the filming of the red uh you were running a radio station air quotations can we talk about this yes we can we can talk about this <laughs> so <laughs> i think i coined it for you didn't i coin it for you cpr radio <laughs> cobar pirate radio <laughs> 
so it didn't help at one stage that my nickname in town was Pirate. Mm-hmm. However, um, when I was still in Adelaide, I came across an FM transmitter on eBay. Mm-hmm. And I had FM transmitters before, like anyone with a couple of years on, I remember being in your car, FM transmitter just with the AA batteries in the back of your mm-hmm. phone, pick a radio station, very short broadcast, like it was only like 0.2 of a watt. So enough to throw from there to your antenna to mm-hmm. listen to your own music on the radio. And I was thinking about it, I'm like, what if I got a transmitter that had a bit of oomph? And what if I got a transmitter that had a bit of oomph and just put my iPod on constant charge and just put my playlist on it? Then when I'm bumming around home and doing nothing and then sitting out the back doing nothing and I could get me ute and go down the street and listen to my music and bum around, I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. I'm bored. Mm. So I got a little crappy antenna and I got a little crappy FM transmitter made in a nondescript country overseas and sent to my address in Adelaide. <laughs> and I set it up and I just thought, oh, I'll just broadcast it 10 watts. Yeah. That doesn't sound like much. I'm a diesel mechanic. 10 watts? Like, fuck all. <laughs> so it's only just double digits. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are at 10 watts in northern Adelaide playing our music. Yeah, yeah, so like, you know, uh, a Foo of, Fighters. A lot of 90s grunge. Maybe a little bit of Pantera. A lot of, um, and then throw back to like 60s and 70s, you know, a bit of Stone Rock, Beatles. Uh, Iconic stuff. Led Zeppelin, all the good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Rolling Stones. Anyway, move to Cobar. <laughs> There's one radio station that I can get to, actually, and they're both commercial and they suck. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I'm just going to do whatever I did in Adelaide and broadcast at 10 watts. Uh, the but they do suck. Let's just get that right. Like we need to be really coming up right now. We've got the latest hit from Britney Spears. Yeah, they've gone like, through to win five thousand dollars cash. Here's a new one for Jennifer Lopez. And they, oh, they fucking just, kill me. They just clone, clone, clone. <laughs> they just fucking suck. <laughs> clone radio. The clone radio. <laughs> we sound the songs that sound more like anybody else than everybody else. Than everybody else. Clone, clone. <laughs> anyway, so I plug my iPod in broadcast at 98.0 right in the middle of the uh, <laughs> FM <laughs> broadcast range because the guy I spoke to I, I, the company I was working for at the time paid for the antenna that's another story yeah yeah can't go into that it was to do with emergency <laughs> responses but anyway so oh my, maybe you can go into that $450 <laughs> later not including freight I have this perfect omnidirectional antenna rocker yeah yeah and he goes this thing will broadcast at 98.0 in the purest wave you've ever seen. Wow. Like, you're my man, Joe. Thank you very much. <laughs> Rig this Big thing shout out to Joe. Thanks, Joe, at Company Unnamed. Company Unnamed for Pirate Radio CPR. And um, so one night, Johnny DeBruin and I were mucking around and we figured out this thing had a radius of 25 kilometres. <laughs> 10 watts turns out is a lot of power. Turns out is a lot, right? <laughs> when you're talking transmissions, it well, is I've, a lot. I've talked to, uh, I've talked to some um, uh, friends of mine that run radio stations, and I've talked to them about this, and they go, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the commercial space going, holy fuck. <laughs> so we were pretty much Dude. rocking the boat out in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, hence, hence the pirate nickname that stuck around for a while. Anyway... Um, so we're doing this for a while, and I didn't realise, I thought it was just me, I'm out the back drinking beers, the boys come around for a party, we just listen to music, I go down the street, um, listen to the music, I drive to work, listen to the music, I go underground, can't listen to music, come up from underground at the end of shift, listen to my music mm-hmm. on the way home. I'm in the shaft about to go underground, so we're, we're at the workshop at the CSA Copper Mine is 900 metres down. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, there's some drillers standing behind me and they're like, oh yeah, there's this fucking mad radio station in Cobar. It doesn't have any ads. It's sick, man. They play new stuff, old stuff. It's awesome. Wait, I'm like, oh, oh, really? I have an audience. <laughs> 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 Fuck me. People are using the search function on their fucking radios in Cobar. Mm. Wow. Yeah, but they would though, right? You just scan through and you're like, nah, nah. Nah. Oh. Remember, right. remember before how I said I don't think about much? Yeah. I don't think about much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think people would use a search function and go, oh, what's this? Yeah. Anyway, the next thing I knew about it was my next door neighbor, Sabrina. Sabrina Wells. Sabrina worked at the shoe shop, Rosie's Shoe Shop in Cobar. Mm-hmm. And she, she found the radio station one day. She's playing at work. And she goes, and you're playing some really good music. She's got a great taste of music. She goes, you're playing some really good music. And then some an older couple come into the store right when NWA started playing one of their very, very prolific tracks. What, like, uh, fuck the police. So as she's <laughs> diving over the counter to hit the volume on the radio... <laughs> She said, yeah, no, nah, you need a you need language warning on it. I'm like, no. Nah. No. Nah. If you don't like it, tune out. That's my advice on censorship. Yeah. Well, so it is a bit of the Wild West. So we're doing that for ages, man. Like we'd have parties, like we'd have cutout parties, like Shearers have cutout parties. Mm-hmm. We'd have the end of shift. So seven days straight. What do you mean a cutout party? What does that mean? So when you're shearing, you're going flat out every day, you're working every day, and then all you want to do is get to knockoff day. When you get to knockoff day, you'll go and sit in the pub for a week and have a cutout party because mm. you're finished, not working. Okay. When you're working at the mine, you work for seven days straight. And I was working out this cool little mine at the time, Endeavours, where it started. And you're out of town, 47 Ks. And all you could talk about the last day of work, we'd start on Wednesday, finish on Tuesday. Mm. And all you could talk about Tuesday after lunch was, where are we going to get on the beers tonight? Mm. Oh, come to my joint. You know, we've got everything there, got a bar, we just stock it up. Like, So we usually go to the pub until we get asked to leave or kicked out, whichever term you like. Mm. And we go back to my joint, party on, put FM radio on or turn it up. Mm-hmm. And then guys would start ringing in from around town. Hey, dude, we're at home listening to your radio station. You can put this song on. Yeah, man, I'll chuck it up next. No worries. Do, do, do. They're like, You're taking requests. Like, yeah, taking requests. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's one, mid. That is mid. One night we got um, Chris Harris and I got drunk and we put um, a microphone on there and we just did a little bit of talk back. Well, blind, just telling jokes, mucking around. Mm. And this went on for a couple of years. There was a certain individual in town who was uh, in the middle of doing the paperwork to start a community radio station, mm. which turned out which was his own benefit. Anyway, this particular... Someone got wind that you were doing something cool and they thought, maybe I can do it better? <laughs> this parasite <laughs> person, this person uh, contacted the Australian uh, Communications Ackman. and Media Authority. Yeah, yeah. An organisation which I'd never dealt with before after yeah. all my time in the, in the government. They're a little bit serious. Very. <laughs> I received a one-page letter, and that was entailing a $250,000 fine or two years imprisonment, or both. Mm. Both would be bad. Might have to rid these people. <laughs> this this doesn't seem like he's fucking around. Yeah, well, uh, they have a, they have a, a policy that uh, you have to show the evidence of the destruction of your device. Interesting you bring that up, Ross. Mm. This particular that I decided to ring this individual. I can't remember his name. What would you? So I, I, I rang him. I have the email somewhere. I rang him. I don't name my squeegees. I was going to frame him. I rang this individual. And I name cars, but I don't name squeegees. I just, or plungers. I thought I'd just ease into this situation. And 
I explained that I had a transmitter and I was using it for my own personal uh, use mm. and I didn't realise it was broadcasting out to the public. And he said, oh, what kind of power are you broadcasting with? And I thought, oh, just think of a number that's really low. And I'm a diesel mechanic, so I'm not very smart. And I'm like, two. <laughs> it's like, two watts? Oh, my God. Like, you know, the local air traffic and blah, blah. I'm like, whoa. Whoa. Chill the fuck out, man. Like, two watts. And he goes, oh, no one should be able to broadcast over 0.5 or what? Like, you can't fuck all with that. <laughs> but you're sending it out. To Regardless. It I would have been the biggest sprinkler in the bloody central Australia. It wasn't like I was trying to fucking brainwash people, right? You just play music, man. You just play music, right? Freedom to the people. But, you know, you got you got APRA, you got ACMA. There's, anyway, there, there are rules. Fucking fascist. Anyway, so I transmitted back and forth a couple of times via email and a very intelligent human because i gave him the best you know you know when you can wordsmith a bit and you just mm. get in a mood and you just bleed onto the page just yeah and i gave him this ripping email and all he sent back was and it still cuts me now i did this huge page email and it was emotive and it was brilliant i'm like winston churchill jfk yeah, yeah. Not for what you can do for your country anyway <laughs> and at the end of it his reply was Thank you for your considered response. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Queen check. Fuck. <laughs> I, as you alluded to, I had to provide evidence that the transmitter was dis- destroyed. Now, so how'd you go about that, Ben? Like, I know the like I know the answer to this question, but just for our listeners, how did you go about that? For those of you playing at home, um, <laughs> I may have already had a similar transmitter that was in the shed that was non-operational. Mm-hmm. So, I may have taken that out bush excuse me and i may have used a 4570 repeating lever action made by marlin with a 325 grain hollow point projector that's That's what they used to put down the big game and i proceeded to put a hole in the transmitter i do believe it was several (laughs) i may have used gopros to film this I may have made a YouTube video as evidence, and I may have sent the transmitter and the YouTube link to the ACMA. Didn't you mail them the broken pieces? Kind of. <laughs> I bubble wrapped it. <laughs> Marked fragile. Um, yeah, man. I just got to say, what a uh, what a um, blowing off the doors, balls to the wall. Clearly, uh, when you say, I don't think about things, Um, you know, running your pirate radio broadcasting to a 50-kilometre radius is a bit of a deal. Apparently. (laughs) I didn't think it was. Our options for radio out in the far west are limited would be the best politically way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starving Starving. would be accurate. Yeah. Dying would be probably more poignant. Yeah, oh, look, I, but I have, I have encouraged you, though, because I reckon you'd be able to get an audience out there. It's not hard to get a community licence, man. And honestly, and this is the very, very, very funny thing about this whole story, as reckless as you have been in your early part of your life, you mm-hmm. were the voice of reason. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah, no, that is, you got to... You were totally the voice of reason. That is a really no, big ben, point. No, there's Ben, there's actually a way you can do this legally. You can apply for a licence and you can do this and you can call your demographic <laughs> what you're going to do. And I'm just like, man, I love you. That's fucking too much work, eh? Yeah, no, coming from the man that didn't even have a driver's licence for the most part of his early 20s, you know. Very funny thing about this whole story... 
as reckless as you have been in your early part of your life, you mm. were the voice of reason. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. No. That is, you got you a were totally the voice of reason. That is a really no, big ben, point. No, Ben. There's actually a, there's actually a way you can do this legally. You can apply for a license and you can do this and you can call your demographic. <laughs> what you're gonna do? And I'm just like, man, I love you. That's fucking too much work, eh? Yeah. No. Coming from the man that didn't even have a driver's license for the most part of his early twenties, you know. You know. That is true. It is uh, how things have changed. How things have oh, changed is that, that's uh, that's where you're going with that. But uh, look, you did talk about though before. You did touch on it before about your relationship with uh, Street Magazine, mm-hmm. and because uh, you knew them from doing the burnout car. Is it the burnout car or the drag car? What do they call that? For the, um, is it the? I don't even know. What the, the there's no name for that. There's no, it's, uh, they called it Project. Cassowary, mm. Armageddon, which was a Land Rover, the six-wheel drive Land Rover. That's it, Armageddon, yeah. And then the following one that followed it was Project Digger, mm-hmm. which was the LTD. What did we even call that? We just called it Project Digger. Yeah, because no, yeah, you, you built that LTD. And I remember um, having a beer with you once upon a time somewhere, believe it or not. And uh, you were talking about uh, you were in a mess with a whole bunch of uh, officers. And they were talking about... Um, advertising revenue or no advertising spending on uh, recruiting campaigning mm. and you managed to chess poke a general chess poke's a heavy word <laughs> <laughs> give me a million dollars and I'll get you more recruitment 1.34 <laughs> over two years <laughs> for recruitment yeah and and build the profile and build profile for uh, tradesmen to do a trade in the army. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just speculating. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just speculating. There's a version of that story that did exist. Yeah. Um, I guess my point is that um, you managed to uh, take a recruitment campaign, siphon their money, and build the car that you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I've said Maybe. Before. I've said right. before. Selfish Allegedly. Allegedly, but um, I guess um, as well, like uh, because that was a really cool project, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, getting onto that cool project, though, you had to go and purchase this car. Oh God, the Phantom story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you the Phantom story if I tell you a general story after. All right, if, if you tell me if you tell me the Phantom story, uh, you got to yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you that. We've got time for that. Okay, everyone, everyone <laughs> in their life. Goes on some kind of journey, metaphorically, spiritually, physically, and they just meet random people. Mm. So for this project, we actually purchased two cars. One car we purchased to strip down to nothing and build back up as the showpiece. And just to be clear, these are cars for the military to do public relations. Yep. So it's basically engage people um, physically and on media and social media to talk about doing trades in the army. Mm Mm-hmm. So we purchased a 1978 Ford LTD, which was the staff car in the last, like, late 80s they used. Mm-hmm. And we decided, is that true? Is that, is yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually used them as staff cars. Wow, yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so the generals are cruising around in them. So we decided we'll hot up one of them because it's based on an XC Falcon. Cool car. Let's do up one of them. Yeah. Um, so we decided to buy two of them. And one of them was going to be, let's build up a car that goes okay and we can practice with the apprentices driving. Yeah. And the other one's going to be the full-blown show car with all the money and time it's going to go to. Yeah, yeah. no worries. Um, Brian, a really good mate of mine. Big Brian, shout out to Brian. BK, 
VK is a titan of a man. He's a beautiful human. Absolutely fantastic human. Uh, Petters, he owns Petters. Yeah, he's doing. He owns a, a parts store. Uh, Petters suspension. If I'll find out and I'll get back to you. On yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Call he, me. I know a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, he owns a parts store and it, and it's Petters, I think. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Brian and I go down to Gippsland in Victoria. Go down to Mowie. Mm. Which stands for moccasins on everyone. No, Moe's a nice place. It is. Single mums everywhere. Moccasins on everyone. Check it out. Um, Get a brochure. Yeah. Go on holiday. So we go down to Moe and we're going to purchase a 1978 Ford LTD as a practice car. 351 Cleveland, beautiful interior, purple paint. Mm. And the purple paint in the photo is not quite the factory purple, but it's a take of the factory purple. It's not like a custom purple. Yeah, it's custom mm. purple. So we rock up at this house, and uh, Brian and I are in uniform. We rock up to the house, and we'd already had a few transmissions back and forth, bank account details, and being in defence, there was a big, long, drawn-out purchase process. But oh, yeah. We got over the line, and you know all about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Uh, so much red tape, folks, if you're oh, working in uh, for the government. No doubt about it. Drowning in it. Yeah, yeah. So we rock up at this house. That's what I was good at, man. Now your paperwork. <laughs> Clean lines. Knock on the door. We get invited in. Hell of a nice guy. He's a hell of a nice guy. I can't remember his name. Mm. Bob. Let's call him Bob. It's Bob. Bob's Bob a beautiful human, really Big nice guy. Big shout out to Bob. Big Ford fan. We go into his house and one of the walls in the lounge room's purple, like really purple. Like, oh, yeah, that's different choice for lounge room, purple, yep. And he goes, I'll oh, sit down. You guys want a coffee? Like, oh, yeah, we just drove like four or five hours. I'd love a coffee. So he makes us a coffee and we sit on a purple couch in a lounge room with a purple wall and there's phantom cushions like the phantom comic cushions and Brian and I are sort of looking at each other and Brian and I know each other for a long time so there's a mm. lot of non-verbal communication going on yeah of course yeah. so we're doing a lot of eyebrows like, what the fuck what the fuck's going on here so with phantom purple couch phantom cushions like that's getting a bit heavy and we look over and there's a TV cabinet and there's like frame phantom comic and there's another cabinet beside us and it's glass <laughs> And it's everything Phantom ever. <laughs> Phone cases, key rings, comics, stuffed dolls, fucking crocheted shit, doilies. It's fucking everything Phantom. Everything Phantom. Everything Phantom. Everything Phantom. Everything Phantom. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not dealing with this real well. Like, like I, I grew up on comics, love me Marvel and DC. Phantom. Nah, I actually didn't mind Phantom. I was into. You read uh, it in the paper. Yeah, and yeah. I was a Judge Dread Phantom guy. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind it. So for me, Brian, not a comic book nerd, but knew enough about newspapers to know about Phantom. Yeah. And we're looking at each other like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're looking at all this stuff in the TV cabinet, and he comes out, and Bob comes out, and both the coffee mugs are Phantom mugs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Fuck. Fucking hell. And Brian's got this really cheeky side of his personality. There's a very serious side of Brian. Yeah, and absolutely. Very cheeky. Very cheeky. Yeah, no, he's the, he's the guy that when you're in a... Uh, you'd be in a pub, no one's saying anything, but he would have the one-liner that cracks everyone yep. up. Absolutely. So I look at Brian. I look at my coffee, look at my mug, look at Brian's mug, I look at Brian, and I look at, I look at Brian. And he's got this stupid look on his face. I'm like, I know exactly what he's going to do. I'm like, fucking don't do it, man. Don't do it. And I'm giving him lips and I'm going, like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mm. Anyway, he just sits up, takes a sip of his coffee. So you like the Phantom, do you? Oh, fuck, we're there for two hours. Like, oh, the ghost who walks. And we get everything. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So you got an entire history of the Phantom. 
I just want to buy this car, man. Two hours later, we get in the car. Um, like God, Bob, Bob was a beautiful human. He even made us a road trip CD to listen to on the way home. And it was just mad. Wow. Yeah, it was like choir boys and ACDC, just like mad Aussie pub rock, pub rock songs. It was cool of him to do it. Like, he was a really cool guy. But, like, this purple car, it had um, skull, death head. Um, the, the, uh, the, the locks. Door locks. The, door the door locks, locks with yeah. death heads on them. And just, it was hectic, man. Like, it was bull hectic. So he's a little bit of a Phantom fan. <laughs> But fan, anyway, fan actually comes from the word fanatic. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. Uh, but you, you managed to take that car away, and you know, you guys hotted it up, and you took it to. You, you used to guys, um, you did um, uh, summer nets and motivation over in Perth. Yeah. where you were for a while. Um, Bathurst. Um, you know, you've done the twenty four hour at Bathurst. We used to go to Bathurst yeah, thousand in October and um, Formula One down in Melbourne. Mm. Um, heaps of cool little car shows. Heaps of cool little car shows. Power Cruise in Sydney with Gup. Um, yeah, we got a really big profile for a while. Went up Townsville four hundred. We did. We did lots of cool. Man, stuff. I actually, I saw. I did see some fo- uh, footage of that car. I, I didn't even know it was a thing that you could put different tires on to create different smoke. Yeah, you guys, yeah, you guys yeah, had yeah. the green tires on there doing green yeah, smoke. Yeah, so there was. Um, there's a company that brought out tires that once you get into it they produce a different color mm. um so you can get your reds and blues and yellows and greens and man i just like I, I, like as, as a dude that's worked in a workshop i just found that as uber cool and like <laughs> uber nerdy it was right up my alley but it was like, like it was out of that that, that do, doing those shows though going around australia and showing off this car that you um, purchased uh, purchased off the phantom fan from uh you know from heaven but um <laughs> <laughs> Bob, big shout out. Yeah. Um, but it was that the contacts through that you got through um, into Street Machine, and that sort of fed into um, the Running on Empty Festival and other endeavours that you had. Yeah. Uh, but you guys do a podcast, yeah. What's the name of that oh, podcast? So that's the, a bit the, of a side one. It's called the Thong Slappers. Thong Slappers. Yeah. So if so, tell us a little bit. About, what's the Thong Slappers all about? So the Thong Slappers, um, two amazing car heads. Um, Simo and Redmond mm. and uh, Simo is uh, he has another job but he's also he does a bit of journalism for Street Machine magazine mm-hmm. and he's an amazing guy like any anything anyone who's done anything in the car scene yeah. in Australia since the 80s Simon knows everything about mm-hmm. excuse me Redmond is a wordsmith mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of amateur journalism a lot of submission stuff he even Australian dirt bike magazine he used to have a column everyone yeah. loves Redmond and he's like myself, he, he's a miner, excuse me, diesel mechanic. He works out, I think he works out near Alice Springs at the moment. So these guys got together and they decided to have a podcast about the Australian streetcar scene. Mm-hmm. Very eclectic. Um, they've got some amazing, amazing listeners, big demograph. And one of the other things they do, as well as talk about the Australian streetcar scene, is they review Australian... Um, Street Machine magazine every month. Yeah. So you're talking about a publication that reaches about 100, 150,000 people every month. Yeah, like it's a big audience, right? Big audience, man. Huge mm. audience. So the Street Machine guys, Talfo is the editor, uh, Scotty Taylor, who's the deputy editor, and he and I have got this amazing friendship from early, early days mm. when I was still in the army doing the car. And he only lived up the road in... Um, Holbrook at the time we were at Aubrey Odonga at the base there I think I've interviewed him yeah yeah, yeah you, would, think, you would have spoken to Scotty he's yeah, a yeah. cool dude he's a really yeah, cool yeah. dude but there's a, there's like Simon Davidson the most amazing photographer you ever met Boris Visevic who's the most beautiful human being in the car scene ever mm. like if you can be Eastern European with an Australian accent and have a head of hair like that drive a Rambler <laughs> and surf and dirt, 
Shout out to Boris. Yeah. Um, these amazing guys. So what we do is, or what Simon and Simon Simon and Redmond do is they review the magazine every month. Mm-hmm. And they talk about stuff that's going on in the scene. They talk about what it was like growing up in the 80s and 90s in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just been brought in every now and again to do like a special on the festival, the Running on Empty Festival. Um, if Redmond can't be there or if Simo can't be there, I've filled in a couple of times. So... Um, a lot of the traffic I've sort of had with the handle of Red Dirt Pirate on Instagram can be attributed to hanging out with those guys. Mm-hmm. And the forum they've got, I think, is brilliant. And they've got a lot of this, uh, the younger baby boomer, older Gen X sort of crowd, yeah, yeah. all the way through to like your, your Matty Waters and Tarana Rama, like these younger kids that are coming up in the car scene, which is just amazing in Australia because... Yeah, there's a bit of a resurgence in that, yeah. And I think one of the big ones too, if we're going to talk about recent memory, like the Holden factory shutting, yeah. or Holden shutting in Australia, mm. that's brought out this resurgence of, you know, uh, football meat pies and Holden cars. Yeah. Like it's got this sense of patriotism stirred Well, up. it is tied into that because it's not just about the brand of Holden or the idea that people like cars. It's about that it goes deeper than that. Mm. And it, it, it does go to the meat pie. It does go to the kangaroo. Well, it's a sense of identity. Yeah. This shape is unique to this country. When I see that car, I mm. associate that car with growing up in Australia. Yeah, you know, like because uh, I've got my machine in the in, in the. I can't believe you still got the Kingswood. I went talking piss before. Yeah. <laughs> you still got it. You still got the Kingswood man. Um, and I, I'm sure well, for those that you don't know, I own a um, HZ Kingswood, and it's um, it's pretty mint. But with that said, uh, her name's Gladys, and Gladys certainly wept when Holden went down. Man, oh, it was just a sad, sad state of affairs. But I think it really ties into that resurgence though, because people are hungry for. Um, you know ownership of ideas and identity and identity yeah you know and i think that's really important it's 100 it is and 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 i you know to lose that that way i do you know what i would like to see in 10 years time someone picks up that and starts it again that would be the ducks nuts Mm -hmm. that would be the shit you know just and and that would be like the the coming back of of holden and don't get me wrong like you know you have those blokes out there forward or holden well i own a ford and I own a Holden. Yeah. Um, some people are very diehard Ford or very diehard Holden. I'm just diehard a good car. I, I, I think that's a lot about, look at football at the moment, there's no footy. Mm. But people love footy. Mm. So people would say, oh, man, I love West Tigers. But right now, I bet you they're saying, man, I love footy. That's right. Miss the game, miss what it is. That's what I mean. There's a, and there yeah. was plenty of Ford guys. There was plenty of diehard Ford guys when GMH shut up, just went... Man, I'm a Ford guy, and this is a fucking sad day. And it is a sad day because that rivalry even oh. has its own patriotism to it. Bathurst. Yeah. Whatever you win on Sunday, you sell on Monday. That's right. That's what it used to be for years. I've even got goosebumps just you just saying and that. And our parents you know? used I, to talk about and that. And this is where we grew up in. And, like, you know, others would argue that, you know, you've got to let go of the past to grow and hold of the future. But there's some things that you've got to take with you. You know, and so, I think I think Holden's one of those things, and a it's, very, a, it's a crying shame. A very Western way to look at your family tree is to do the old "I'm at the top, and here's everything that I became to be." Mm. A lot of Indigenous ways of looking at your identity is to turn back to the past and open your arms up to it, mm. because you're nothing without accepting what is in your past, and what's in our past 
is your father and my father driving around in these cars when they were spanking you. Yeah, that's right. So what else were we going to fucking drive my, when we were kids? That's right. Uh, my, my father drove pretty much exactly the same car. Yeah, but you'd be six and you'd remember the smell, the feel. Still smells the same. Everything. Still smells the right? same. Right? Right? And it was three on the tree, man. Three on the tree, baby. And it was... And as I said, like, you know, uh, you just... It's just a crying shame that it's gone that way. But what I'd like to see in the future is some uh, um, billionaire magnate that goes, you know what? That's, right that sucks. Let's, James Packer. Let's fix that problem. Lindsay Fox. I think yeah. Lindsay Fox is a bit of a car head. Yeah, man. Like, you, guys, you guys Fox. have got the spondula. You've got to get it going, right? You've got to get the, you've got to get the spondula. Uh, but, man, I think we're really close to the end. So uh, let's just... Uh, how do we get to the thong slappers? So thong slappers are on... Uh, Apple iTunes, so Apple iTunes, Spotify. Spotify. If you chuck them into a Google search, you'll find them. That okay. thong slappers. The boys have got shit. That have forty odd episodes out now. Okay. Heaps of content. Heaps of really good content. So yeah, definitely check them out. Yeah, so check it out on uh, the, the thong slappers uh, on iTunes and uh, Spotify. Spotify. Yep. Um, but before we go, I've obviously got to do the plug for the uh, Still Searching Productions uh, dealio. If you need any Foley done, if you need any promos done, if you need any commercials done, if you want to make a movie, just contact me personally. Or you can find me at stillsearchingproductions at gmail.com or just uh, find and check out my website, stillsearchingproductions.com. And if you haven't checked it out before, check out Made in the West Film Festival because festivals are what makes the world go round. 100%, brother. Uh, man, uh, but uh, Van, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. That's been uh, a goal of mine for a long time since starting the show. Having Thanks you on the show, thank you. Um, we've shared a lot of um, uh, a lot of paths together. Um, it, you know, it is about the path behind us, but it's also about the path ahead of us. And I think mm-hmm. both of those things are important. 100%. And and uh, mate, yeah, just thank you so much for being on the show. No, no, I'll, I'll, anything to do to help you out, man. And like, we've got a lot, a lot of history, a lot, a lot of history. Mm. And again, selfishly, I just feel like we're just talking shit anyway we totally are totally Totally easy (laughs) all right guys well so we'll see you next week and uh don't forget to subscribe to the page of training subscribe right there and don't forget to hit the little bell here you can find us on uh itunes spotify anchor um youtube boob tube it's all out there go for it baby and don't forget to subscribe and you've been watching the page of train thank you very much all right we're done bro (laughs) oh jesus (laughs) fucking had a few two beers on that one (laughs)